what's going on everyone welcome to another episode of unscripted today i got a very special guest in my in the house stephen l robinson and he is a relationship coach and we're going to really get into his style of coaching but stephen what's going on with you man man i'm relaxing enjoying life i just want to say thank you it is such an honor to be on your podcast um you know i'm uh I'm a huge supporter of your movement. So to be on your podcast, it's truly humbling and truly honoring. Man, you're one of the guys that I definitely wanted to have on, man, because um, I'm a firm believer in you got to give people their roses when they're alive. And I admire how you go about your business because it's literally part of who you are. You know, you operate a certain way and you hold yourself to a certain level of excellence. Now, you are a relationship coach, but you do things a little different than most coaches. You do things from a biblical standpoint. Um, how did that start? Well, it's, um, it's very crazy how that started. Um, it actually stemmed from my two previous relationships, right? So I was in two long-term relationships. One I was in for eight years and the other one I was in for six years, right? And so I thought because I didn't lie and because I didn't cheat, that made me a good man. But little did I know that it took more than just not lying and just not cheating to be a good man. Mm. Um, So I was actually very selfish. Um, So meaning I would put work above the woman that I was with. Uh, She wanted to spend quality time with me. And I'm just like, nah, I got other stuff I could be doing. (laughs) You know, just, just, it was all, it was all about me. It was whatever it is that I wanted. It was, there was no sacrifice there for her. Um, So with that being said, she ended up cheating on me with 13 different men, right? Yeah, 13 different men. Um, And if you know, like I know, there's a difference between being single and being lonely, right? So after she cheated on me, I think I had found out um, like the first time or first two times, right? I didn't know about all the other people. Um, I found out we broke up, but because I was lonely, I took her back. Right. So I'm thinking that everything is all good. So we're patching up things in our relationship. She's like, okay, whatever I got to do, um, passwords and everything like that. Yeah. But little did I know she just got slicker at doing what she was doing. Right. And I didn't change my ways either. So, you know, that, that kind of led to, although it was, it was a, a character flaw, I'm not blaming her. I'm blaming myself because I didn't provide the needs for that relationship to, to flourish. Yeah, um, so yeah. anyways, long story short with that, that happened. We ended up breaking up. Right. Um, then I got into my second relationship, which I was in for six years. Right. And at the time I was not saved. I had grew up in church, but when I left my mom's house at 17, I didn't go back to church. So now remind you, I'm like, this is, I'm probably like 20, at the time when yeah. this is, um, so I was with this woman and me and her we used to fight a lot and once again you would have thought that I would have learned from the first relationship but I did not I was still selfish in this relationship so we were always fighting we were always bickering and things like that I will never forget one day I was in Starbucks right and I, I was going for my um, I was finishing up my bachelor's degree and with that being said I'm on the phone with her yeah. and I am 
just cussing up a storm in the middle of a Starbucks, right? In the middle of the Starbucks. And with that's, a latte, with a latte on the right, side. Yeah, right, right, with, a, with one of these. Um, so, so I'm cussing up a storm and that's not, necess- that's not necessarily my character, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just, she just had me so out of character. Um, I'm cussing and then this guy who comes and he sits down um, across the, on the same exact table across from me. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice it because I was so involved in the conversation. Once I got off the phone with him, uh, with her, I'm sorry, I looked up and I seen him and I looked down at the table and there was a Bible on the table, right? Mm-hmm. So because I grew up in church, I had a healthy respect for the Lord. So I immediately went to apologize to him because I was cursing and he was sitting right there. So, you know, I'm telling him, I'm sorry, you know, and all this other stuff. And he said, well, I completely understand you're human. We have feelings. It's okay. Right. So I said, well, you know, thank you very much for having that type of grace on me and all this other stuff. So I started to go back to do my homework. And he said, well, do you have a couple of minutes of your time? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? What's up? And he said, well, I would like to do a Bible study with you. And so I said, okay, cool. So at that time is when he reintroduced me back to the Lord. Right. So he invited me to church. I went to church and I ended up getting saved and I ended up getting baptized. But here's the, here's the kicker, right? Mm-hmm. After I got saved, baptized, all that good stuff, I stopped going to church. I stopped going to church for a whole mm-hmm. year. Yeah, a whole yeah. year. And I honestly believe that God was truly trying to get my attention because within that whole year that I stopped going to church, um, I was at the, the woman I was seeing's house. We were watching netflix or you know or watching some type of movie or something like that she was laying on me and then all of a sudden her head got extremely heavy mm-hmm. extremely heavy and i mind you i'm not a tall guy i'm five six but the girl she was maybe like five foot right she was she was a small girl too and her head was extremely heavy and so now i'm trying to push her head off of my shoulder but and i'm although i'm a small guy i'm pretty strong we're um, in the gym out here we're in the gym right, out here right <laughs> And so, um, so I'm trying to push her head off and it's really heavy. So I finally end up moving. And once I moved, that must've woke her up or woke whatever was in her up because then she started chanting, don't go. He's going to kill me. Mm -hmm. Right. She said, who's going to kill you? Because it's just me and you. Right. And she kept on chanting this. And so like now I'm like, yo, this girl is crazy. She's nuts. Um, I'm not even thinking that there's any type of demon possession. Like I'm not thinking none of that. Right. So I go to pick up my phone because I'm like, well, I'm about to call your, your brother, your sister, something like that, because you're, you're acting weird. So the minute I pick up my phone, she slaps the phone out of my hand with such force that I've never, ever seen before. And it put a huge hole in her wall. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, whoa, like, this is crazy. Like, she's five foot nothing. She's not that strong. Um, like, this has to be something else. So... I started to move her into the bedroom so I can get her on the bed, lay her down and um, drink water. So with that being said, I, she was so heavy. I'm, it's like I'm dragging a dead body across the living room floor, right? So from there, I get her into the room, but I can't pick her up to put her on the bed. So she had two DVD stands in um, her, her bedroom ne- in, next to her TV. Yeah, yeah. And so she's pointing to these DVD stands, or one of them, and I'm pointing to all these different movies. And she's shaking her head no. And I finally get to the Bible. She shakes her head yes. I pick up mm. the Bible and I go to put it on her, like give it to her. 
And the minute it touches her, she falls out, right? So she falls out and she's out for like five minutes. And so then she finally comes to her senses and she's, then she's like, how long have I been sleeping for? And I said, what? How long have you been sleeping for? Yeah. Like, do you not remember any of the things that just happened? And she was like, well, my head hurts, but no, I've been I've just been sleeping. So I go show her the, the hole in the wall and all this other stuff. She's, she's like, oh, you know, you probably were upset with me. You probably punched the wall, all this other stuff. All right. So that happened. Um, then a couple of months later, it happens at my place this time. Mm-hmm. And so although I had got saved, I didn't have a Bible in my house, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So at this point, I didn't know what else to do other than call Brother Sip, who introduced, reintroduced me back to Christ in the first place. So I called him up. And I said, hey, um, this happened like six months ago. I'm sorry I've, I haven't been returning your calls or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I said, this is what's going on. He says, I've, I've seen this before. So then he said, do you have any oil in your house? So I had olive oil. So I got olive oil. Um, he told me, put the olive oil on her forehead, put me on speakerphone, and I'm going to pray for her. So he starts praying, right? Mm-hmm. And when he's done praying, he says, in the name of Jesus, because in the Bible says, you know, uh, the demons flee at the name of Jesus. So the minute he said that, she fell out again. And same thing. She's like, well, how long have I been sleeping for? So that happened. And then one other part of the story, and this is all going to tie into how I got my start, right? She ended up having cancer, right? She ended up having cancer. And one day I was supposed to go to church and she was so sick. Brother Sip told me, he said, bring her to church. He didn't even know what was going on. He didn't know that she had this, no nothing. He said, bring her to church. She's going to be blessed by this. Hmm. I said, okay. And so I'm trying to get her to church. She doesn't want to go. Um, but I'm like, no, you have to go. I don't know what's going on. He told me to just bring you. So in the middle of worship, I'm worshiping. She's kind of like standing, but she's just like out of it. She yeah. ends up falling out in the middle of worship, in yeah. the middle of worship. So now, you know, the congregation, all, all the sisters, they come and they lay hands on her and they start praying for her. Remind you, the following day on Monday, she had a doctor's appointment for her cancer, Right. And she goes to the doctor and guess what? The cancer is completely gone. Mm, yeah. Right. So we ended up breaking up um, because I was still selfish. Although I was claiming to be a Christian, I was still selfish. She ended up leaving me for another guy. And so at that point is when I started to say, what could I have done better in the relationship? So I started studying relationships and come to find out I was the selfish one in the relationship. Mm. So I told myself that this is never, ever going to happen to me again. So I created this deep dive into studying relationships. And then that's when God gave me the vision to revolutionize relationships for the better using biblical principles. So that is actually how I came into being a Christian relationship coach when it comes to relationships. Man, two things, two things stuck out to me during that whole, during that whole conversation, man. You know, we, you know, for everybody listening to this, like, Stephen and I, we've had this conversation before. And when we're talking about spirituality, we're talking about faith, and we're not necessarily talking about religion. Religion is very messy and it's very man-made, in my right. opinion. You know, I used to hear stories all the time of exactly what you're talking about with my grandparents in Jamaica. But what really changes people from believing in God 
or a higher source, if so, is you have to have a personal experience with it. And your personal experience may seem crazy to people. And they may be saying, that doesn't happen. What are you talking about? But until you have that experience, you truly won't believe that there is something of higher source out there that is literally guiding you, you know, because ultimately, man, we are just vessels on this time. And the second thing that came to me, man, was, you know, <laughs> if there was a production team to make this movie of Steven Robinson, how you got there, man, I'm seeing a mix between TD Jakes and, and, uh, and Tyler Perry, because there's, <laughs> there's some intangibles there. Right. Yeah. But I want to talk about, because you said you grew up in the church, you had this experience, and then you kind of disappeared from it. What was it like for you growing up, right? Because I think if a person can understand the backstory of an individual, you can kind of see how, where they got to it and where maybe they kind of led astray. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what growing up was like for you, man. I think, I think there's, some, there's some intangible moments in there. Absolutely. So growing up for me, I always used to say I have, I had a drug problem, right? And what I meant by that was because my mom, every Sunday, she would drag me to church, right? So, so you know, it was like a drug problem. Um, and you got to understand, you know, I was young, you know, I was young, I wanted to do my own thing. So I was just going to church because, you know, my mom wanted me to go to church, right? Like I would hear some things. But like you said, I never had a personal experience. So because I didn't have a personal experience, it was more so of a, what I viewed, it was just religion, you know? Mm-hmm. And at that time, it sounded good, but was there anything to that at that time? So I ended up leaving my mom's house when I was 17. And because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, you know, I... I went away from the church, you know, like when I was, when I was growing up, I had a great childhood, great childhood. You know, my mom, phenomenal mother, you know, she, she provided for us in all sources. She always, you know, read the word to me, Mm -hmm. always tried to guide me. She always prayed for me, but I didn't have that personal experience Mm -hmm. with the, you know, the Lord didn't touch me at that time. So with that being said, when I left my mom's house at 17, you know, I went wild because my mom, she, my mom, she was like, you know, like, you know, not with, don't be getting no girls pregnant, like no, you know, like all of that. Right. So when I left at 17, all the stuff that I couldn't do, you know, when I was, when I was home, I started doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom. So I, I started doing all of that stuff. You know, I went to the military and, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm in the military, you know, I, I'm the man, you know what I'm saying? I, I got a steady job. I'm getting paid on the first and the 15. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I'm over here taking out loans so I can get these nice looking cars so I can mm-hmm. talk to the women. You know, I was doing all of that. But the, 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 the scripture, it talks about, you know, train your child up in the Lord and he shall not depart. And although it looks like I departed for some time, guess what? I came right back. Mm -hmm. So I never truly, truly left, if you understand what I'm saying. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You found your way back to it at some point. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where sometimes in our stages in our lives, we feel lost. But just because we may seem lost doesn't mean that we aren't going to find our way back. We're just 
taking a different route to figuring it out. You said you went into the Navy. Uh, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's not always something that somebody just says, I just want to do it. I'm not saying that that thought isn't there, but didn't seem like that was necessarily a path that you just wanted to take. So tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really a path that I wanted to take. But however, it's really crazy because although, you know, I wanted to do my own thing and everything like that, I really wanted to be in the CIA. I wanted to mm-hmm. be um, a field agent. I want to live this secret life. You must have seen James Bond a couple times in your life. You know, I, I wanted to live this secret life. I didn't want um, anybody to know what I was doing. Um, because one of the things is, although it looks like I'm very, like, extroverted, I'm actually more introverted than extroverted. I like mm-hmm. to kind of be isolated. I like to do things by myself and all that other good stuff. So the CIA would have been a perfect experience because you're out there and you're out there on your own. Right. So I wanted to decode messages. I want to chase people down. Like I wanted to do all of that. You want to be that guy. Right. I want to be that guy. Um, So a lot of people don't know this, but you actually can apply for the CIA when you're 17. So I applied for the CIA, but also when you apply, what they do is they look at you for five years. Well, the ones that, you know, they, they feel, you know, that they want to look at, I guess. Yeah. They look at you for five years moving forward. So although they do a background check, it's like a, a five-year forward, you know, background check. I don't even know how yeah. to describe that. Yeah. So I did well in school, but I didn't do good enough to get a scholarship. And my mom at the time, you know, she didn't really make a lot of money. So it's not like she really could pay my way through college. Yeah. So somebody came to me and Fun fact, my dad was in the Navy too, um, but somebody came to me and they said, well, why don't you do cryptology in the Navy, right? And I said, cryptology, what's that? And he said, well, that I, will- I, was, I was about to say the same thing, but it sounds fire. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was about to take that. <laughs> you say you could do cryptology. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, it's actually almost like the CIA of the military because you're decoding messages. You sit in this dark room all day long, you're decoding messages and all of this other cool stuff, right? So I said, okay, that sounds good. Like, and I can do a contract for five years. I'm like, well, by the time my time in the Navy is up in five years, the CIA would have, they would have seen that I did this. They, they, they they're going to grab me. Of course, they, they see my skills. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what ended up happening there was I took the ASVAT test and I got the job. Mm-hmm. But boot camp for the Navy is nine weeks. My sixth week in boot camp, they called me down to the office and they said, Stephen, I want to let you know that um, that job that you, that you got, you can't do it because you felt your security clearance. And I said, how did I fail my security clearance? I'm 17. <laughs> you know, like what, what could I have done? Like, yeah. I didn't, you know, like I didn't go to jail, like no nothing. So they said, well, the reason why you felt your security clearance is because for this particular job, your immediate family, everybody in your immediate family have to be United States citizens. And because my mother is Panamanian, right? And then she got remarried to my pops, who's Panamanian also. They're not, they, at the time, they weren't United States citizens. They are now, but at that time they weren't. So now... They say, okay, well, you can't do it. I'm sick. Remind you, I'm six weeks in the boot camp. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, well, 
I don't want to be here. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can send me home. And they said, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. You signed the contract, you know, and you signed the contract for five years. So now I'm like, okay. Oh, you stuck. Right. So now being too smart for my own good, I say, well, what's the easiest job you have? And I said, oh, okay, well, you could be a cook. So I said, all right, well, how hard is that? And I'm thinking in my mind, how hard is it to read a recipe, interpret, and execute? Right? Sounds simple. Mm -hmm. Nobody told me that I was going to be the first one up in the morning. Nobody told me that I was going to be cooking for hundreds of people. And nobody told me I was going to be the last one to leave and go home. And nobody told me that I was going to smell like food all day long. Right? Mm -hmm. Nobody told me that. So I actually ended up doing the job and I actually ended up doing it very well. I actually graduated at the top of my class for um, culinary school in the Navy. And so I was able to choose my base. And because I'm originally from San Diego, I went back to San Diego. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't the course that I naturally wanted to go, but I think, you know, and in and, and the scriptures talk about God having a plan for your life. And I think that God put me, allowed me to go through these certain things to bring me back to him to be able to live my particular purpose that he put me here on this earth not you know yes our purpose is to serve him but also to get the gospel out and i'm getting the gospel out through biblical principles and relationships so you spend time there man you're in there for five years and now you're getting out you know you spoke about purpose and to me i'm a firm believer that every soul has a purpose but not every person is operating in their purpose because we're not sure what our gift is how what was it like for you when you were leaving the navy did you think about being the relationship coach or were you just confused about what to do next how did you start this path of saying you know what god put this in my heart i'm going to do it this way because the moment that you say you want to do something is the moment that adversity is going to come, opinions is going to come. And it's those times that we kind of get lost. So how did you find your way to doing what you're doing now? So when I got out the Navy, um, that wasn't, you know, being a relationship coach was never on my radar. Um, so going back just a little bit, you talked about gifts. So when I was growing up, people always used to tell me, that, wow, you speak really well. Mm -hmm. They always used to tell me that. And now where I'm at right now, I understand that that's the gift that God has given me. Yes, sir. But back then I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. said, oh, you're, you're a good speaker. You speak well. Okay. All right, cool. cool. You know, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm speaking English, hey? <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, after I got out the Navy, I don't know if you know this, but I actually became very good at culinary arts. I applied for Top Chef season four, and mm -hmm. I actually got selected for Top Chef season four. However, because I was in the Navy, they would not, and the taping was more than eight weeks, they would not allow me to go. Oh, so um, in that point, I had met Chef Ryan Scott. He was on Top Chef season four. So he said, when you get out of the Navy, you always have a spot in my restaurant. So when I got out, I moved up to San Francisco and I worked at his restaurant. Now, here's the, here's the backstory behind that. 
you remember when I told you I got into the military and I'm like, oh, I'm the man, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm spending money left and right. I didn't save money for when I was about to get out. So those five years, you didn't save anything. I didn't save anything. So mm-hmm. I got out completely broke, right? I got out broke. And so I drove from Lemoore, California, like that's Fresno area, all the way up to San Fran. And so I started working for Chef Ryan Scott. And a lot of people don't know this, but I was homeless for three months. Mm. Right? I was living in my car. And I made, and a lot of people don't understand that if you're truly like not a celebrity chef or you're not an executive chef, you're not really making that much money as a line cook or, you know, a sous chef or anything like that. So San Francisco is one of the most expensive places to live in the States. So I only made enough money basically to have a gym membership. Right. And the reason why I got the gym membership was so I can shower in the mornings and shower in the, you know, when I'm done working and I would go in my car and I would find a different place to sleep every single night because you know obviously you don't want to do the same routine because you never yeah. know who's watching you. Exactly. Um, so within that time frame, I was able to save up a little bit of money and get um, and move to Treasure Island, which is an island right underneath the Bay Bridge in San Francisco. Um, so I lived there for a bit, <clears throat> and this is all while I'm still with the first girl um, that cheated on me with thirteen different men. So after that, um, that happened. I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. And I, and my mom did not even know that I was homeless. Like I didn't tell nobody, you know, everybody like, and, and, and we, we, as a society, we have this habit of making things look better than what they really are. Right. Like the, the highlight, and you talk about the highlight reels, right? So people see me, they're like, wow, you know, you're chef Ryan Scott, sous chef from top chef season four, but they don't know that I'm living in my car. <laughs> you know, you don't know that I'm living in my car. Um, you don't know that, the only meals I'm getting is from that, from that restaurant. You don't know that I'm showering at the gym. Like they don't know that they look at it and they're like, wow, you know, you're, you're doing really well. Um, so with that being said, that happened. I was like, you know, this is no way to live. So at that time I was like, you know what, maybe I should go back into the military. Right. And, and, and get back on my feet. And so I went back into the military, but this time I went into the army. Um, so I did five years in the army. And during that time, is when I knew better. Now, because of that experience, I started saving my money. Um, I allowed the military to pay for my my bachelor's degree, my master's degree. Um, I was I made a lot smarter choices, and so I in total I did ten years in the military, right? And people, they're like, when I was in the army, and this went back to my rebellious spirit. The spirit, I didn't like being told what to do. Right. So they're telling me I have to shave every day. I just want to rebel. Like, I don't want to shave. And which is really crazy because once I got out the army, I shaved every day for a very long time. (laughs) Um, But but nonetheless, um, so I ended up getting out the army because I didn't like being told what to do after five years. But this time I was set up for success a lot better than the very first time. So with that being said, during those years when I was in the army, um. I was with that second girl and we were going through all of these things while I was, you know, while I was in the army. Um, so I ended up getting out the army, you know, she ended up leaving me for another man. And that is being cheated on, um, the first time by 
with 13 different men and then the woman leaving me for another man and starting a family is very, very heartbreaking, very heartbreaking. So that is how I actually ended up walking into my purpose because I started studying relationships. I started interviewing people and God said, I want you to revolutionize relationships for the better using biblical principles. So I said, okay, well, how am I supposed to do that, God? Because I'm not in a relationship. How are people going to listen? Why are people going to listen to me? I have two felt relationships. And that's when he said, well, if you know, principles are something that never changes. Mm-hmm. And if you believe, if you believe that I created everything, that means I created relationships too. So I know how relationships work. So whether you're in a relationship or not, right? Whether you're in a relationship or not, mm-hmm. if you talk about my principles, because I'm using you as the vessel, as you, you described earlier, you have the gift of speaking. So what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to speak to the masses. Start making videos. Start speaking at conferences. Start telling your story. Be vocal because your gift is your words. And so that's how I walked into my purpose. You know, man, I got a lot of things from that, man. And it's funny because, you know, we've talked about it before, but, you know, we have similarities in the fact of, you know, homelessness. Like, you know, I was homeless when I was 13. My mom and I had the bus stop and I used to go to school and wash up there. And then I'd go to class and I'd go to, and I'd go play sports after school. And I would go back right to the bus stop and pretend like nothing happened. But it was at that moment that I realized um, this, man, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So for me, I started speaking certain things into my life you know, and regardless if I really believed it yet, I probably didn't, but I said it so many enough times because if you say something enough times, eventually your mind and heart will start to believe it. So for me, I just needed that in. And the other thing that I got from it, man, is, you know, God will use your pain to purpose. Most people, if you think about the, the, the history of your life and you're trying to find your purpose and trying to find how you can truly impact the world, what is the pain that you've been through don't allow the pain. Don't remember the, like, re- remember the moments, but don't allow it to make you bitter. Right. How can I find a way to get it? And I think this goes extremely well for you. In the scripture, it says, you know, your gifts will make room for you. And that's what happened. But I think, man, I think with everything that you've been through in those past 10 years in the relationships, you learned a, th- a, a, a thing that you can only learn going through experiences like that. And that's learning habits. Right. Because it's those same habits that says, man, why is anybody going to listen to me? I don't know. But this is what God put in my heart. I got to do it this way. And you got to continuously develop that, develop that, develop that. And the one thing that I realized about God, man, is he's very short on details. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what was your first client like, man? Tell me, tell me, tell me about um, that first client and then tell me about a moment where you said, man, I don't know if I can help this couple or these people, because there's a part where, where Jesus goes into a place and he says, I can't help these people. Right, right. So tell me a little bit about that. So my first client, yeah, I will never forget. So um, they came to me and they said, you know, I, I would like to have some relationship coaching. And it's so crazy because I called myself a relationship coach without actually having a formula for coaching. Mm -hmm. So when it actually came and they're like, well, you know, I need some coaching. 
that's when the fear started to set in, right? That's when the enemy is like, you don't know what you're doing. You have no formula for this. How, how are you? How are you? Yeah, that's great that you're you're giving them this advice, you know, via video, you know, via whatever. But now this person is coming to you, right? They're in an actual relationship. What are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell them to break up with their, their partner? Like, are you going to tell them to stay with their partner? Like, like you don't have the tools to, to, you know, direct somebody's life like that. And so I'm like, wow. You know, and I'm t- when I say the enemy was talking to me heavy. And this is all in your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man. And so now at this point, you, you, I'm pretty sure you've heard um, the, the phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? So although I felt the fear, I said, okay, you know what? God, you said, <laughs> you said, right, that this was the vision that you had for me. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I'm going to trust in you wholeheartedly. So what I started to do was I started to research, like, what does a coach actually do, <laughs> right? And so then that's when I realized, hey, look, a coach is different than a therapist, because I'm not, you know, I didn't go to school for therapy. Like, I don't have no license for that or anything like that. Um, a coach is, is different from a, a counselor, you know, all of this stuff. So being a coach, we have to ask the correct questions to allow the person on the other end to make better choices or make the choices for the outcome that they want. Um, so basically us asking those questions they're giving us the answers to those questions, but we're just asking them in a deeper level to where they can get the outcome that they want. So once I realized that, I said, okay, I think I can do that. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, she gets on and now she's telling me about, you know, this messy, messy relationship problem, right? Because it's, it sounds good when you're telling, telling people, oh, okay, well, the Bible talks about you got to speak the truth at all times. The Bible talks about respect. The Bible talks about understanding, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're in a very messy situation, it is hard to oh, do yeah. certain. It is hard to yeah. do those things. So, you know, I I took my very first client. Um, I charged them. I charged them like twenty five bucks because, like, the crazy thing is, like, I didn't know. I didn't for know. How my, long? Huh? How long? Um, it, it was for a while too, man. It was. It was it like. Was like a, a, like hour sessions, 30 minutes? Um, yeah, it was like, yeah, 25 bucks an hour or something oh, like that. Man, hey, hey, I would have racked up on you too. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know my worth at the time. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really big. And then what I wrestled with was, I'm like, well, wow, you know, if I, if I'm doing God's work, should I be charging? You know, like that, that was something that I wrestled with so much and I had to pray on that. And God said, he told me, you know what? You're doing my work. You're giving out tons and tons and tons of free value, right? You're doing what I want you to do. But also hear me, you can get paid for your gift. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I said, okay, God, you're telling me that I'm going to revolutionize relationships for the better. You're telling me that I'm going to speak at conferences. You're telling me that I'm going to be able to sustain myself doing this. Okay, i got to trust you. So at that point, you know, I started raising my prices and I started getting more in tune with my worth. Mm. Um, but back to your original, your original um, question and statement, like that fear 
man, that fear was so real. I don't think you understand. Like once she hit me and she said, okay, you know, what's your, you know, how am I paying you cash app and all this other stuff? I'm like, okay. And I was like, I went straight to the computer and I'm looking up things and yeah, yeah it was, it was, it was real, but um, I got through it. And then each time after that, it started becoming easier and easier and easier. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes I still get nervous depending on who the client is. But the fact is that I know that God gave me this purpose and I know that he won't let me down. Man, it's funny you say that, man, because every time, literally to this day, every time that I'm about to go speak, I get nervous because I know the power of words and I don't want to mess up. And I got stuttering problems. So all these things are coming into my head. But one thing I realized, man, that has helped me is, you know, before I go, I always say a prayer. I'm like, Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to flow through me so that I can deliver your message. And I say that because you, you got to have a formula for how you operate and do what you do. You don't have to necessarily do it in a biblical standpoint or whatever, but you got to have a formula of what works for you. If you don't have a formula, it, 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 it's just not going to work because right. when you're thinking of, if you have something, to have something to do on the 15th, on the first, you're not even worried about it. Right. The 7th, you're like, man, I got so much time. Right. But the 13th, you're like, holy crap, the 14th right. is coming. And then your mind is going to, your mind will always remind you of your history of the times you failed. Yes. Because it doesn't want you to live out of this comfort zone that it's worked so hard to keep you in. So I'm, I'm, I'll get you a hundred percent with that, man. Um, we're coming down on the last, the last four questions. The, the last two are kind of one and the same. The first, these next two, give me something to look for in a relationship that you would want. And then give me something that is like a red flag just for everybody listening, man. All right. So um, what I will say, and I'll, I'll give you three things to be honest with you um, of what you should want in a relationship. And if you're in the dating part of the relationship, right, where you're just getting to know somebody, I always tell people look for cause, character, and chemistry. I call those the three C's of dating or three C's of a relationship, right? And so what that means is you want to look for somebody that has the same cause as you. So let's just say I'm a Christian and I'm with a girl who's an atheist. Like that's really not going to work. Tough. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really not going to work. And I attribute that to like, have you ever put handcuffs on, you know, one person put handcuffs on another and they try to go different ways. Like that causes a lot of pain and it causes a lot of hurt. And so you want to look for somebody who's running the same race as you, the same cause. So, and then that goes to character. So hear me out when I say this, right? Because anybody can say that they're a Christian, right? But does their character reflect that? You see what I'm saying? So I can, I can get with a woman. She'd be like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, but yet her character, she's always cussing out her mom. She like, she's doing all types of stuff. Right. And then chemistry, right? A lot of people say, well, you know, chemistry doesn't matter. I, I, I truly believe that chemistry does matter because you want to be able to be around that person. You don't want to be with a person where it's always boring. There's no, you guys can't conversate, like you guys can't have a good time or anything like that. So those are the three things that I truly believe that you should look for, because if you guys have the same cause, that means you guys are running in the same direction. If the character is right, the character covers everything else that covers, you know, people telling the truth, respecting you, understanding, integrity, all of that, right? 
and then the chemistry that that um covers being able to be around that person and enjoying being around that person um and then a red flag i would say honestly is besides you know well for me um you know besides somebody not um believing in christ would be somebody that lies mm -hmm. because you cannot build a true relationship on lies you can't do it that is a red flag the minute that you catch somebody lying you need to confront that you mm -hmm. need to confront that because if you don't confront that what you're doing is you're giving them a license to continue to lie in the relationship now if that does not turn around you know it's up to you to do what you want if you want to be in a relationship where the person lies then you know by all means but i think lying in a relationship is a huge red flag you have a new book coming out, man, and it's actually coming out next month. Um, what is different about this book that is different about the first one? Because the first one's an ebook, but this new one is an actual book, textbook, papers, flip it. What is different about this one? Like, what, 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 what do you hope to reach with this one? So what I hope to reach with this one, um, well, first and foremost, the, the way it's different about different from the first one is that the first one it there was no there was no biblical context like reference in it yes. right so like, yeah there's certain things that you know hey accept them you know all this other good stuff but this one i took the time the the time i'm talking about <laughs> so much time to dive in the scriptures to really understand what the scriptures mean talk to um you know men of god women of god and, and truly get their critique on hey look i read this scripture this is the revelation that god gave to me what is god saying to you about this right mm. so that was one of that's one of the um differences and then another difference is that this one right the first one was revolutionized your relationship seven fundamentals to um a better relationship with your partner right this one is eight letters to revolutionize your relationship where i talk about the biblical principles of truthfulness respect understanding safety and security transparency and, and that's uh, as you see my shirt just says the shirt yeah you know and, and and I'm gonna come back to transparency in just a second, um, but investment, niceness, and God's wisdom, right? And so each letter um, mixed up the word trusting, right? <clears throat> so if you look at if you look at the book, the book is titled Trusting Love, right? Mm. Um, eight letters that will revolutionize your relationship. So love, if you look at what love is in the Bible, God is love. So yes. it has a two. So it has a twofold meaning, right? trusting love meaning like hey look you know i'm trusting love by utilizing these principles and it will make my relationship work um but then also trusting love meaning trusting god for my relationship to work um so it's coming out june 5th um i, I put a lot of blood sweat and tears into this i mean i've i've refined this over and over and what i'm hoping that this achieves is it doesn't just it doesn't just reach Christians, it reaches non-Christians as well. Because although there's a lot of biblical reference in the book, even if you're not Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Truthfulness, respect, understanding, 
safety, transparency, investment, niceness. Those are seven things that you can utilize that will revolutionize your relationship. But then my hope is once they get to the last chapter, they truly understand where all of this comes from. And then they can start to take a look at Christ and maybe, just maybe, Mm -hmm. they can change their heart and they can give their life to Christ. Pre-orders go on sale Monday, man. And you know, it's funny, like you said, you put a lot of research into it. And for anybody that knows Steven, man, this man is very meticulous with how he goes about it. This man is going to sit at the table and read the book and go on the internet. Like he's going to find everything uh, to make sure everything coexists with what he's going out. And um, I'll be making sure, man, to get the message out where they can find the links. You can send it to me. And this is a book that I really think is going to be extremely helpful for just, if not anything, a reminder of what is truly uh, the foundation of every relationship. But man, let's get into these last two quick questions, man. I'm thinking we're going to have to do a part two at some point down the road. I'm um, last two questions, not hard, nothing but fun. The first one is, man, with your background in, in, in cooking, let's just say you have, you're having a party and you got a hundred guests coming in, hundred mm-hmm. guests coming in and you got to make an appetizer, mm-hmm. you know, a little side, you know, a little side and the main course. What are you putting together, man? What are you putting together? What am I putting together? That's, that's a very good question. Now, what I would do is I would start with what we call is an Amis bouche, right? So Amis bouche is, it's, very simple. It's like a spoon, right? And you put the the appetizer right on the spoon, right? And so I would have three different sets, right? Meaning I would have a seafood set because um, not everybody can eat seafood. So I can't just have that one particular set. Um, I would have a vegetarian option. And I'll tell you what those what those would be um, as well. And then I would have a regular meat option of, you know, some type of like beef or chicken or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them I would do kind of, it, it, it's a famous one of mine, but it's like a shrimp and grits, right? Mm. It's a shrimp and grits um, and the shrimp is caramelized. And so with the, the grits, it gives it a nice crunch um, that, it, yeah, it just gives it a nice crunch and the flavor is absolutely amazing. Right. Then next I would do um, probably like like a like a uh, like a chicken and uh, chicken and. hmm. All right. I got it. I would do like a chicken and a cardamom poached pear um, Mm -hmm. with that. Right. So I would slice out the pear. um, Then I would put uh, the cardamom and uh, sauce in the little thing and then I would put the chicken right on there so that you could just eat it right off the spoon. And then for the vegetarian option, um, I would probably do like um, some kale and quinoa. So that's what I would do for that. Um, Main course, hmm, that's a very good question. Um, However, I would do the main main course in, I would do, hmm, I would probably do, it, it, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, a lot of people are, are turning towards, you know, healthy options and stuff like that. So um, to make it, 
healthy for them, I would probably have to have, uh, again, another three different options where I would do maybe um, um, a pork tenderloin with butternut squash puree. Um, and that one, I will have a cardamom, a cardamom poached pear with some kale on it. Then another one I would do maybe, I would do um, a haddock with some quinoa and pomegranates on that one and a nice sauce. And then for like some vegetarian options, maybe some type of like rice and beans of some sort. Man, you're going to have a lot of people going to Google right now and, and <laughs> saying, what is a cardinal? <laughs> Last question, man. You know, with, with everything that you've been through, everything that you represent, everything that God is putting in this package for everything that he's put in you, everything that you want to leave behind, what, if there was one word to describe Stephen L. Robinson, man, what would that one word be? Integrity. I, I want to say that, you know, although my life didn't start off operating integrity with integrity, I want to make sure each day moving forward, my life operates with integrity. That is my go-to word. Anytime I need to make a decision, I ask myself, Stephen, are you showing integrity here? Because I truly believe that, in t you know, when, when it's all said and done, when we die, right, and people come to your funeral or whatever, I want to be remembered as, man, you know, this guy, he was a stand-up guy. He did things with integrity. He never tried to screw nobody over. He, you know, he wasn't a liar. He wasn't deceiving. He had true integrity. Man, where can people get in contact with you? Where can they follow you, man? Where can they stay in the loop, stay in touch? Um, well, people can get in touch with me at my website. You can go to www.steven, with a P-H, stevenlrobinson.net or .com. It'll take you to the same place. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Stephen with a P-H, L, Robinson, all together. And then um, I actually just made a Twitter. Um, <laughs> oh, man, is on Twitter now. <laughs> I, I just made it to it because I was, I was on Instagram for the longest time. Like I didn't have no other social media. Yeah. Um, but since, um, since my book is getting ready to come out, I've been starting to get featured in a lot of publications. Yes. Um, so with that being said, I thought, wow, you know, Twitter is a great way to retweet those pages, you know, to keep my name relevant and things like that, to have people see what I'm doing. So on Twitter, because you only can have, um, less than 15 characters. My name on there is Stephen L. Robinson, but without the O um, at the end of Robinson, because that was, was too much. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time to jump on with me, man. And, you know, you spoke about integrity. If that's the one word, man, I can truly say that um, you are living proof and living example of what that word means. So I don't know what God has in store for you, man, but don't be surprised if he says, look, I need you to go and buy this restaurant. And if you need someone to go half on, you just let me know and we can go ahead and make that happen, man. Hey, we, we can do it. <laughs> I appreciate your time, man. And uh, we'll definitely talk soon. All right. Thank you. It was such an honor. Thank you for, very much for having me. Always love you.